Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to look at our second lesson for today, either in your Bibles or your service folder. Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6 says, Guided by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John gives us comfort as we think about those who have died trusting in Jesus. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As I mentioned today, we're celebrating All Saints Day, a day set aside in the Christian calendar, Christian church here, to stop and remember those fellow believers who confess Jesus as their Savior who have died. At their funerals, we were reminded that we don't mourn, we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We look at death differently from an atheist or an evolutionist. We realize that death has come to all because all have sinned, we're all descendants of sinful Adam and Eve. But we also know from scriptures that all humans have an eternal soul, a soul that's going to live forever, either with Jesus or without him. So we're comforted as we think about those who confessed their faith in Jesus as they died, knowing that they continue to live and reign with Jesus. Guided by the Holy Spirit, John was giving comfort to those who may have been bothered by the way that some of their loved ones had died. They're living in a time of persecution. John himself is writing this letter, this vision that he saw while he was in exile himself on the island of Patmos. Like those Christians on the beach of Syria a couple years ago, or the Apostle Paul, some of their loved ones had been beheaded, executed by those who were enemies of the faith. Their only crime? They confessed that Jesus was their Savior. And you know how Satan works. You know how your sinful nature works. When someone dies in their sleep at a ripe old age, we're sad. But we're not extremely bothered. We're thankful that they had a full life. We're thankful that they didn't have to go through a lot of pain and suffering as they died. But then we might be tempted to think that maybe it was a good life that they led that allowed them to have that kind of a peaceful death. A wrong idea, but we're tempted to think that. On the other hand, if someone dies young or has some excruciating, painful death, we're tempted to think just the opposite. Like Job's friends, we're tempted to think, well, maybe they had some secret sin that that's the reason that these things happen to them. That's wrong as well. Satan tries to rob us of our comfort. So those who had friends or relatives or church leaders who had been carried off by the authorities and beheaded, executed in a terrible way might have been worried that, well, maybe that happened to them because somehow they had lost their faith. They might have been tempted to wonder about themselves, to wonder if they would be next and if it was worth it. If Christianity brings you trouble, if it brings you a short life and a painful and 
shameful death, is it really worth it? They were worried about the faithfulness of those who had been executed. John comforts them. He reminds them that the reason that they were executed was because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They didn't die because they had been unfaithful, just the opposite. They died because they were faithful. They refused to keep quiet about Jesus being their savior and the savior of the world. They refused to do anything that would in any way compromise what God said in his word. They were faithful witnesses, just as Jesus had been before his enemies. And then John adds, they did not worship the beast in his image, and they did not receive his mark on their forehead or on their hand. As evidence of their faith, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament, they refused to bow down to an idol, even if they knew it could cost them their lives. They were faithful. They didn't receive the mark of the beast. A lot of questions about what that is. We don't really know for sure what it was. Was it a physical mark of some kind, or was it just an indication of what was in their hearts? But either way, the picture in the Word reminds us that somehow it was an indication that they were associated with the beast. The beast is the secular government who was persecuting. Somehow. It showed that they gave their allegiance to the government as their master, as the one who would care for them and provide for them, instead of trusting in God as the one who was to do those things. They had not done those things. So if they were worried about these loved ones and the fact that, well, God didn't rescue them like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so maybe they weren't faithful, no, that wasn't the case, John says. God gave me this vision and I saw them, their souls. Their bodies might be dead, but their souls are continuing to live. They're sitting on thrones, as Jesus promised. They're living and reigning with him, right, as they read these words recorded for us in Scripture. That's why we don't mourn those who die confessing their faith as if we had no hope. We don't know the reasons for the how or the timing or the circumstances of their death. God doesn't tell us that. But he does promise that everyone who believes in him continues to live. That's what he told Martha at the tomb of Lazarus. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. <coughs> Believers have life eternal life right now. Jesus says, whoever believes in me has, in the present tense, eternal life. And when their body dies, they continue to live and reign with Christ. That's our comfort. That's our sure and certain hope. Because we didn't make it up. We didn't just hope it's the truth. God tells us in his word, Jesus promises in his word, that this is the truth. Next comes the verse that causes a lot of people some trouble, even though it wouldn't really have to. John says that those who die trusting in Jesus lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. 
rest of the dead did not live until the thousand years came to an end. Part of the struggle is that people look at this and even translate this verse with some preconceived notions. An idea that Jesus is going to reign on earth for a thousand years. And so they even translate sometimes that those who had died believing in Jesus come to life. And then Jesus rules on earth with them for a thousand years. And then the rest of the dead come to life. So we end up with two different resurrections. When the Bible says there's only one resurrection. They see this passage as supporting the idea that Jesus rules on earth for a thousand years. But if you look at the passage, look carefully, it doesn't say anything about Jesus ruling on earth. It says that those who died went to live and reign with Christ when they died. They aren't ruling on earth with him. They're already gone to heaven. They're living and reigning with him right now. Jesus himself said, his kingdom is not of this world. So what's being described by the thousand years is a, a set, known period of time by God between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus, the whole New Testament period. Those who die before the last day, believing in Jesus, they continue to live. Their souls live and reign with Jesus. And when he comes again on the last day, they will be raised from the dead and soul and body continue to live and reign with Jesus for all eternity. That helps us understand the first resurrection. John says, Blessed and holy is the one who has a share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. As Jesus said in the words recorded to us also by John in his gospel, Amen, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come. As Jesus was standing right there with them, that time has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That's the first resurrection. It's what happens with those who, all of us, who are dead in trespasses and sin, get to hear the good news about Jesus and the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts and we're born again. We have a new life. Paul says in our baptism we're connected with Jesus in his resurrection already now so that now on this earth we are living a new life. We are made alive with Christ. Hearing the good news of the gospel and having the Holy Spirit use that to bring us to faith in Jesus, that's the first resurrection. Those who have a part in the first resurrection don't have to worry about the second death. The second death is fiery lake of burning sulfur, hell itself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The second death has no power over those who trust in Jesus. The gates of hell will not prepare again, prevail against those who have faith in Jesus. So who's the rest of the dead? They're the ones who aren't part of that first resurrection. They're the ones who, like all of us, are dead in trespasses and sins, but they have rejected Jesus and the good news of the gospel. And so God's condemnation, Jesus says, remains on them as long as they're not believers. When the thousand years are over and the last day comes, their bodies will be raised, but they still don't really have life. The second death does have power over them. And Revelation says they are cast with the, with the devil and with the beast into that fiery lake of burning sulfur. What they have 
is never called life. They're dead in trespasses and sins during their life. They're raised on the last day and continue to be separated from what truly is life, life with Jesus forever. What a comfort it is to know that those who gave testimony by their words and actions that Jesus is their Savior and have died are not dead and gone. Their souls live. They're living and reigning with Christ right now. Thinking about these things might also cause us to wonder about ourselves. Would we be like those that John describes? Would we remain faithful even in the face of death? What would we do? What would we think if we were like those believers who are on the beach in Syria, or like the Apostle Paul? If someone said, deny Jesus or you die, what would we do? It's hard to say that we would be faithful, right, as we think back on our lives and we see many situations where we've been more like Peter in the courtyard of the high priest when we have denied Christ, when we might be tempted to say, well, yeah, maybe I would just fudge it a little bit. You know, I'd say, okay, I denied Jesus, just let me live, but in my heart I really believe in him. Oh, I'll bow down to that idol, but God knows what's in my heart, and we make our physical life our idol more important to us than God and his word. It would be easy for us to be like Peter and deny the Lord. And we don't want to be like him before that and pridefully say, even if everyone else would deny you, Jesus, I never will, because we know pride goes before the fall. Certainly we identify with that man who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. By God's grace, we see that Jesus was perfectly faithful, even in the face of the terrifying, painful, excruciating execution on the cross. God tells us that he credited Jesus' faithfulness to you and to me through faith. And as we confess our faithlessness, our doubts, and our fears, we look to the cross, and we hear Jesus say, It is finished. All of those sins that bother you are paid for, washed away in my blood. We can look forward to living and reigning with those who have died confessing their faith, not because we're faithful, but because Jesus has been faithful in our place, and his righteousness, his faithfulness has been credited to our account. By God's grace, we have a share in the first resurrection, the new life created in us by the power of God through his word, and through the gospel connected with the water of our baptism. Today, as we think about our loved ones who have died giving testimony by their words and by their actions that Jesus was their savior from sin, we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We have a sure and certain hope. According to God's promise, they aren't dead and gone. But their souls continue to live and reign with Christ. And we look forward to joining them 
either on the day of our death or when Jesus comes again on the last day, when all the dead will be raised. And all believers, body and soul, live and reign with Christ forever. Amen.